So you're about to be listening to the sultry, tender voices of Team Cobb, as we've been known for a while, which consists of me, Kevin Cornelio, and... Good boy, Rob Hardison. Welcome to the journey with us. It might be a bumpy ride, but I promise we'll get you there smoothly in the end. Don't listen to this dude, we good. <laughs> so settle in, sit back and relax, and enjoy the show. So, what are we talking about today, Rob? Let's talk about avoiding weak-minded thinking. Okay. So, what do you mean by that? Well, so that means not thinking like a bitch. (laughs) All right, that's... (laughs) A little more blunt way to put it. So, weak-minded thinking, or as you put it, thinking like a bitch. All right, so that's what we want to avoid. Now, here, as the great philosopher Jay-Z said, not a bitch as in having a pussy, but a pussy having no goddamn sense trying to push me. Ah, okay. It's becoming a little clearer now when you bring in the the great philosophy of uh, Jay-Z. See, what he did there is he is he he made the distinction. He's not describing bitching in the normal connotation as in referring to a female, but he's referring to just this mindset of <clears throat> I'm gonna call it weak mindedness of being mentally fragile to where you have to lash out and, and push and transgress transgress upon someone else. Okay. So, yeah, I've heard you refer to this concept of mental fragility. And that's what you're speaking to here is not being weak-minded or mentally fragile in a way that causes you to act, act out, act in a way that's undesirable. I guess you could put it like that. Yeah, you can definitely say, well, I did you know, put it like that. You want to act in a way that is mentally resilient, that is going to be to your benefit and hopefully to the benefit of the people around you. Okay. So, yeah, I might <clears throat> I might have an inkling of what you're talking about now. No, it's, it's, yeah, pretty obvious when you get into it that way that this is something to... Uh, to really grapple with when you're talking about um, avoiding weak-minded thinking or, you know, on the flip side, what you do want to do is be more mentally tough, I might say, resilient, you know, those kind of speak to the same thing, developing like a, a fortitude, a resistance to breaking down. And, and <clears throat> so less even of like, so the fortitude piece is one thing of developing sound, developing a sound mind. That's one thing. Now the piece I'm specifically um, speaking to is avoiding mind viruses, such as some of the ideas that, you know, we, we talked about um, before, like such as uh, ideas espoused by the organization, black lives matter. The ideas espoused by some feminist groups, the radical feminist groups, mind viruses that are inherent to those ideologies that 
corrupt the thinking of the individual into a into a a horrible destructive thought pattern that serves no one individually or as a group okay so what you're really getting um more into the nitty-gritty of is avoiding these mind viruses but that's an interesting term like corruption of the mind by outside forces I wouldn't even say outside forces, it's just more so like just the patterns of thinking that are corruptive, that do not align well with reality, that are mostly pathological. They are subjective in the sense that they do not align with the objective reality. They are divorced from reality. Patterns of thinking that are divorced from reality. Um, do you have an example of what you're what you're describing there? Yes, uh, we can point to directly the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, we can point to directly the feminism movement or the modern feminism movement. The um, more radical philosophies espoused by both of those movements and. I think there is a disparity here of what those movements on the surface seem like and what they're actually espousing by their behavior and by their, and in some cases, by their own stated goals. But those are good examples to point to, to demonstrate a clear, a clear divorcing of reality. So you're, you're seeing a disconnect there? Yeah, pathological disconnect that is in some ways understandable, which is, I think, that these are good examples of good intentions not being enough. Good intentions forging a pathway to hell. Hmm. You know, you, you kind of need to look at things in a dispassionate way in order to have compassion. Most don't recognize the fact that they're their feelings and what their pathology is, is not the reality. Hmm. So you said a couple of interesting, like poignant uh, phrases there that I want to come back to being dispassionate to be compassionate. Is that what you said? Right. Yeah. It's an interesting way to think about it. It almost sounds counterintuitive, but I see what you mean. Like when you, when you, if you think about it, it, it may sound counterintuitive, but when you when you actually consider the the what I've what I've laid out there is that <clears throat> basically you cannot be compassionate if you don't understand the landscape in which you are operating. Here I'll, I'll liken it to uh, the story of mice and men. Lenny, he's this uh, a character in the in the story. He's this big brooding individual who, despite all appearances, is very loving, very very compassionate. Now, the problem is Lenny doesn't recognize his own strength and the things he chooses to show his love to end up dying. There's this rabbit he, he becomes fond of. And despite Lenny loving this rabbit, loving it and wanting to care for it, Lenny ends up killing this rabbit because he's too strong, too strong for it. 
to tie this into the being dispassionate before you can be compassionate, if Lenny had some understanding, had some dispassionate understanding of that rabbit's nature and that rabbit's being, he would understand that he cannot love it in the way that he, just because he feels that way, he has to love it in a way that is, it is conducive to that rabbit's being. Meaning he has to be aware that his strength and his, and, and his loving may be harmful to it if he actually truly wants to love it. So he has to have some awareness outside of some dispassionate awareness outside of just having that wanting the love. Another way to say this, to, to drive home the point, and maybe I'm overselling, but uh, I read in, in some, some Buddhist reading that I was doing, uh, I read about how humans, we love in a way that is, is really misguided, often anyway, that we see a flower and we think it's beautiful and we want to love that flower, so we pick it. But in doing so, we destroy that flower, we destroy its life. Mm-hmm. And that's really the concept that I'm referring to here is that in order to love something, you really have to learn how to be dispassionate first, how to, how to understand that thing, how to, you have to have an understanding in order to come up with a compassionate, um, a compassionate solution to loving it because otherwise you're not really loving, you're being irresponsible hmm. and, and ultimately can be destructive. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely uh, connect with, your examples and the way you laid it out there. And it, to me, it calls to mind um, another phrase of if you love something, set it free, which I think just gets at the point that you're making in a different way or maybe more simplistic terms. But to me, it's also kind of like uh, the concept of lust versus love. There's a confusion sometimes that, you know, if you if you appreciate something, this instinct comes up sometimes, you know, a lustful instinct to maybe grab at it or, like you said, kind of pick the flower, where in doing so, you're actually doing the opposite of loving that thing. You're destroying it, like you said. Yeah, I think lust is an is a important concept here because it often stems from a from an instinctual place, you know, from a from a feeling of appreciation. It feels that way, but that feeling is not always mapped to reality very well. <clears throat> to tie this back into the to the narrative that we were uh, portraying before, there are some ways of thinking that reliably lead to this path of of weak minded thinking, of of destructive thinking, and uh, I think that it's <clears throat> it's incumbent upon us to avoid those ways of thinking, to so that we can all live in in, in peace and harmony and 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 think in a sound way that is beneficial. Yeah, that certainly makes a lot of sense. So I'm curious, I, I have a, um, a couple of you know, thoughts that come to mind here, but I'm curious what you would say to this question of um, why is this topic to you so significant to talk about at this point in time? Well, it's been significant for, for for quite some time. But to answer your question more directly, it's something that I think as a society, we, we're losing touch with sound thinking and we're 
repeating certain patterns that history has told us is not good for us. We are leaning into territory that is reliably and predictably going to do us harm. <clears throat> you said we're losing touch with sound thinking. The profound statement there. I think it's accurate. Yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily disagree. I'm just kind of uh, letting it settle in because it's a, it's a big thing, you know, either way. It's a big thing to try to disagree with because I don't see, you know, a, a strong case against what you're saying. But it's also a, a, a big thing to accept and to really settle with is that we're kind of, like you said before, this phrase of, you know, good intentions leading to hell, so to speak if that is indeed what we're kind of describing here is like we're losing touch with sound thinking, it's kind of describing that we're going in the wrong direction, which is a big, big deal. Yeah. Like I think something that people are having, especially younger people are having a hard time realizing is that the pathway to hell is paved by good intentions. And what I mean by that is that people in today's world don't recognize that the modern world, the terrain of the modern world isn't mapped well to our psychology, to our, especially our emotional psychology, our emotional mind is not mapped well to the modern world and to say that another way it is to say that we need to have systems and and rational thought sound thinking in order to navigate properly in today's world we cannot allow our emotion in the moment to dictate our behavior where it is a abdication of responsibility in in ways where we have a clear lack of impulse control and a clear lack of understanding of the terrain in which we're in. It's just like acting too quickly without thinking. Thinking about the implications, maybe. Or acting without thinking, period. Like, it's it's this, um, there's an idea that I hear, that I've heard recently, this idea of, of feels before reels, where people think that their feelings are have more importance than the, the reality of the situation. There's this thing, there's this, there's uh, another way of saying that is people keep saying these things about my truths and and. This, into, uh, this person's truth as opposed to it being just the truth. They're, they're speaking to pathological thinking and magical thinking, which is <clears throat> inherently a destructive way of, a way of being. 
everyone thinks that their way of thinking is the best or their way of thinking is the truth it's it's inherently something is bound to be uh combative and adversarial mm-hmm. if we don't have reason to kind of coexist yeah well that's the danger of kind of over subjective thinking when you said how you know everyone thinks their way of thinking is the best i might also just say that as you know we each prioritize our own perspective on some level for you know even to survival instinct like we each of us is an individual and as an individual our inherent bias is to keep ourselves you know ourself going above all else at a certain level and that's to me what you're kind of recommending against is just get it putting too much focus on that because that leads to destruction of not only others but in in inevitably ourself as well actually it's, it's a slightly different point um it's slightly different now to to you to the point you just made it's there is a <clears throat> what's the, there's a, a concept referred to as solipsism where we're all somewhat some solipsistic meaning that we're we are self-interested we are self-interested we are there's a a, a certain degree of motivated uh self-interest yeah you know preservation of life so to speak now to that end uh, there's a degree to which we all need to do that now the other piece of the equation so it's not to say that you shouldn't focus on that it is to say more so that that there are ways of behaving and thinking that are completely in line with that and there are ways of thinking that are completely divorced from that, that end up destroying the individual as well as the group. Now, <clears throat> there are ways of thinking that on an individual level, if you hold these thoughts, you will reliably and predictably be in a worse scenario. You will reliably and predictably have less opportunity to thrive in the world. And not only that, you will reliably and predictably be a burden or cause destructive forces to influence the society at large that you that you are a part of, or the community at large that you are a part of. If if you do what? If you have certain ways of thinking, such as uh, I'll, I'll I'll go into example I'll go into the example of of, of feminism or or radical feminism, or, you know, the Black Lives Matter idea of that there's this systematic oppression, so to speak. Both groups, both ideas, the radical feminism and the Black Lives Matter organization, they both hold this same, like, uh, victim mindset that assumes inferiority, and it it identifies with being inferior. it's, It's a way of thinking that is is simply not sustainable. What you're saying is it kind of like they're putting themselves in a position of we have to kind of rise up because we are lower than, so to speak? I wouldn't say it the way you said it. They're identifying with being weak, identifying with being inferior, and 
they're then rationalizing their inferiority. They're, they're transvaluating their position in the world and their, their weak position in the world. And then, and they're then creating a value structure that is, that, that goes nowhere. They're creating a value system out of what they are because they have these perceived, uh, they're, they're, they're valuing their victim status. They're valuing the status of being oppressed. So they're playing with um, uh, uh, someone I like to call uh, something I like to call the oppression Olympics, where the, the 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 higher status of victimhood you can claim, the higher status you have, which is it's victimology poker, where whoever whoever's the biggest victim is 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 the winner, and that type of thinking is destructive and it does no good for that person even though in the moment it feels good because you get you you get this um this feeling of you know you get everyone's sympathy so so you get this, like this feeling of oh um you know people care but what happens is you are reliant on that on that external force that, that external validation mm -hmm. and you never learn the ability to be mentally resilient you are just reliant on people thinking of you as a victim mm -hmm. thinking yeah. of yourself as a victim and it's not it's not conducive to being mentally resilient self-reliant and, and being a productive member of society yeah whatever you know talk about sometimes is that level one thinking that victim mindset or that victim identity which actually yeah it gets attention or sympathy like you said or um you know, things that feel valuable, but it's actually things that are keeping us down. Yeah. As a collective, we start to value that feeling of, of, of sympathy and, and empathy, but that reflexive empathy is also, is often very dangerous. And it, and it ultimately it's, it's what's referred to as the soft bigotry of low expectations. It ultimately, uh, uh, prevents us from reaching the highest versions of ourselves because we we are so in tune with making that empathy and compassion the virtue we forget that we are a species in, in on the planet earth and reality that has to work for what we need in the world we have to go out and earn those things otherwise we we entropy and die Okay, so you see these uh, organizations or even individuals that are exhibiting this mindset, this victim mindset we're talking about, as seeing themselves in a lower position, but you don't see that them as trying to rise up. No, uh, for the most part, they are misguided. They are. Uh, uh, when I say when I see someone trying to rise up, I see someone internally being the change they want to see in the world. Making what what I see out of these groups is a, a, a lot of uh, uh, I see a lot of childish behavior, of throwing a tantrum, of pointing and sputtering. I don't see a a a rise up. What I what I'm seeing is a is a counterintuitive destructive behavior that is 
not conducive to an actual rising up of, of sorts. It's conducive to, you know, what you would see from a petulant child. Yeah, I think I know what you mean with that. I mean, you're observing the behavior. But don't you think that this kind of speaks to... I, I, it's like we're kind of talking about two different things a little bit. There's obviously the result and the behavior that you're, you're observing. But I was talking more about when I say trying to rise up. I don't mean literally, you know, rising up and having that effect. I, I specifically use the word trying because I, I don't think it's necessarily a successful effort that would show the result. But don't you think maybe related to the the way we started this discussion with thinking not being sound, don't you think that on some level they actually think maybe in a distorted way that they are making an attempt to rise up? If I'm interpreting their their actions and behaviors charitably, I would definitely think that there is an innocence to it where they're just naive in their interpretation of reality. However, I'm not concerned with their intentions. I'm concerned with the, the results. It, we go back to the idea of being dispassionate before you can have compassion. Now, with that in mind, we look, we can look at certain behaviors and see that they are predictably poor behavior. Now, perhaps they feel a certain way for whatever reasons, but in my mind, the reasons don't matter. The, the fact is that there is a certain way of thinking that is divorced from reality. Now, whether that be for, whether that be with the good, best intentions, whether that be because you honestly feel a certain way, that doesn't mean that, that your feeling is reality. There's this, you can't really be compassionate for someone who's in a state of, of destruction. If that person is, is, is trying to and willfully being destructive without having any type of tether to reality, it's, you have to address that dispassionately first. You can't try to be uh, compassionate in that moment because there's no level of compassion that will reach reach in and be able to safely for everyone involved, for the society at, um, at large, to safely disengage that person from the pathological bullshit that they're experiencing. I think I, I went off a little bit on a, on a tangent there, so... Well, I think you're actually getting, even if tangentially, you're getting to a point that I think um, I, it makes sense for us to kind of get to, which is more of a recommendation or an, an option that people could take more successfully. Because we've talked about a lot of the, the issues and then the, the goal, really, but how do we shoot for that goal of moving beyond that? error of compassion, as I might say, in what you're describing? Awesome question. The way you reach a, you know, it, like, let's say you do think that, for example, you, you are oppressed. Because you very well may be. You actually, in fact, are. That is the state of reality. 
we are constrained by the laws of physics, by the laws of nature, by the laws of of spirituality, if you want to call it. There are constraints to our being. There are oppressive forces that... Just to jump in real quick, like you said before, like truth and reality, like those things cannot be changed by any of us. So there are forces that are oppressing us, so to speak. So that is the nature of reality. Now, what I think is happening a lot is that people are thinking that's unfair and wanting to do something about that. See, the problem is that's not in your control to do. That's not in anyone's control to do. And, and to the degree that we can do something about it, which is more so what I'm, what I'm, I'm going to speak to in a moment, to the degree that we can do something about it, it doesn't start with the mentality of of throwing tantrums or, or being weak-minded or, or the mentality of victimology. It starts with a, a an appropriate understanding of the landscape of the environment in which, in which you are in. It starts with that first. Now, there's an idea in, 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 in debate where if you do not understand the position of the other side, or the, the opposing position, if you do not understand the entirety of the argument, meaning uh, side A, side B, if you cannot refute the others, other side's arguments and you only know your own argument, that you are not actually qualified to have an argument. Now, in this sense, the ideas behind you know uh, radical feminism and, and the Black Lives Matter organization, in that sense, those organizations are unqualified and irresponsible in their in their zealousness to speak up and to and to influence society because they are divorced from reality. Okay. Well, we've yeah we've spoken a little bit to Black Lives Matter. I'm curious with um, feminism and specifically as you made the distinction, radical fe- feminism. If we could go into that a little bit, like. Can you um, just speak a little bit more to what radical feminism is, maybe even in comparison to or contrast to feminism as people might think of it? So, absolutely. There is a... So first, let me lay the groundwork of that... The reality that we are in is that, and I don't want to be too negative here, but I just want to paint this picture so that people understand what this argument is about and what I'm, what I'm, and, and your question was a good question. So I want to, but I want to have, there needs to be this framework in place first so that I can answer it appropriately. Now, the reality, reality that we are in is that we are all going to die. This world is this, this universe the natural state of the universe versus entropy, meaning that things degrade, things, there is suffering in this world. That is part of the human condition. Now, the problem with some of the ideas relating to feminism is that, or radical feminism, is that they take that condition and they associate it with with the wrong things. Now, they take that condition of, of suffering that they experience, which 
understandably so. And like we talked about, it's almost an innocence of sort, but they're not seeing reality for what it is. They're taking that association with their suffering and their and the innate problems that are inherent in being female in this world. And they're associating those things with the wrong things and demanding that the things be addressed and such that they're detracting from more of the things that we do have control over. And that's really the departure from reality that I'm speaking to where your, where your behavior starts to detract from yourself and the society, society as a whole. Now to contrast that with feminism as a philosophy, there has been some things that some suffering that we can mitigate and we should mitigate. So that's where you kind of where we can kind of contrast the radical feminism from the from from feminism what I refer to as as classical feminism, where there have been things in society that we can we can mitigate the suffer, some of the suffering we can and should mitigate, and that we should all completely support. Where we can address the ailments of 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 women and 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 help them where we where we should, but I think it has gone beyond the point of empowering women to be the best versions of themselves to now idolizing women to where we're creating this distorted reality that is just bullshit. Hmm. Let's talk about that last piece that you brought up there a little bit. So there's two kind of two things that play there. It's like what you what you're observing i guess in the result of the movement and then there's what the actual maybe intention is or should be or just what would be valuable like how would you describe what would be of value to the feminist movement going forward not speaking to whether or not that may have existed before or what have you but what would be valuable that you're not seeing the radical feminist movement actually aiming towards so the problem that i'm seeing is number one the feminist movement and there are other movements like this but we'll stick to the feminist movement for now the feminist movement is semantically overloaded meaning that it means the 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 word feminism is no longer definitionally the same thing as it was let's say in the 1960s it is divorced from that so those concepts are outdated and outlived they've outlived their their usefulness so with that in mind there doesn't seem to be a coherent uh list of 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 there doesn't seem to go be a coherent conceptualization of what is needed i think our epistemology of determining what 
we need as individuals, as groups, as a society is corrupted to the point where we're no longer thinking about these things. We're just paying lip service to these words that are semantically overloaded and don't actually do us justice. They are simply means of of self-preservation and self-preservation in a way that is not actually self-preservation, meaning they alienate people, they alienate other groups. To specifically speak to feminism, feminism often, 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 too often at this point has become this thing that attacks men and masculinity. Instead of it being a thing that is supposed to be for equality, it is now a thing, something of a, a supremacy tool, at least in what it has done. And what I'm saying, what would be useful is that we get rid of those previous ideas and we start to rethink what it is as individuals and as a society to get along and to prosper, as opposed to it just being motivated self-interest. We need to take a dispassionate look at things because if we're looking at from it from only that lens of, of feminism, and there are other lens that are improper here, but if we only look at it from that lens, we only see the, the world from that perspective. And then, you know, to a hammer, everything looks like a nail. We only see the problems that are experienced by females and that we don't recognize that there are, there's more to reality than just the problems that females experience. Reality, females are always going to experience problems in this world as a part of being human. But when you take those problems and you prioritize them over everything else, that becomes an issue. Yeah, so just to clarify, because I know you often make this distinction that I think is lost on people sometimes so it's an important distinction between let's say feminine and female so in this context would you say it's accurate to say that feminism is actually um overvaluing female uh related problems and ideals or is it speaking more to the feminine Well, the, because the idea of feminine and female are strongly correlated, I'm going to say both. They're, anything that is female and feminine is considered is 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 more valued, and that is a problem. To feminism, you're saying? Yes. Through the lens of feminism, and actually, in in the landscape of, 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 of our society actually for quite some time has been skewed towards feminist thinking towards that, that idealistic thinking that, that females are, are to be placed above in some idealistic way. Like the, anything that the female is and I'm, I'm, I'm really speaking in terms of, of, of just the, the nature of how society kind of lines up these days, there, there, let's put it this way. 
as a society, we've become much less masculine. And I think that's mostly at our detriment. We have idealized the feminine and it has become, society has become a female imperative. Like the imperative is, is, is it's become specifically a female imperative that is destructive to both females and males. It's destructive overall, not because it's not because we are satisfying a female imperative, but because we are doing so in, in neglecting other imperatives. Mm-hmm. So it's not that that imperative should not be satisfied because I think it, it very well should it very well should to some degree, but not at the destruction of other imperatives. So we need to value <clears throat> We need to value things appropriately, not prioritizing any imperative over the other, um, because that's not reasonable. It doesn't address a lot of the issues that 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 we all experience. Yeah, so you're saying they're kind of up idealizing one gender over the other. Yeah, and and it's hard to have this conversation because there's a language barrier that is tough to escape because that's how we communicate through language. But when you say language barrier, what do you mean by that? Like what language barrier? Usually there's no there's no stream of consciousness. I can't. I have to translate my thoughts into language before I can give before I can share my thoughts with you. Therefore, there is a language barrier in that there's the limits inherent in, in, in language are a bottleneck for the for the exchange of thought. Well yeah, I might call that a filter, which is I'm I... gonna stick with my term of language barrier. <laughs> okay. That's how you're seeing it and describing it. <laughs> so are you saying in society we should not have this <laughs> the there should be no barrier or filter, whatever we're going to use between stream no, consciousness. No, I'm not. I'm not saying that. What I'm okay. saying, like the barrier, I'm not introducing as as a problem. I'm just, I'm saying that it exists. What oh, I'm, yeah. like, we have no other tool to, to to get by it at this point. So it just exists. What I'm referring to is the fact that it's hard to have this conversation without that limitation of language. I understand that human consciousness is such that. We often will hang on certain words. I'm trying to explain the difficulty of this problem that we're experiencing and that sometimes the words get become a distraction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've said it time and time again that almost every, if not every, issue or negative outcome is due to miscommunication, misinterpretation. Which I think speaks to. Well, let me open it up for that. What do you do? You think that speaks to what you're just saying? Um, for the most part, yes. And I think there's a slight distinction I'll make, but yes, I I I believe that you're like basically spot on. The only distinction I'll make is that it's less of a miscommunication with <clears throat> the two people and more of a communication miscommunication between. Uh, uh, the individual pathologies in reality. Now, if each person is committed to 
developing that relationship with with reality and God. And um, <laughs> I inserted religious grammar there for a reason. But if each person is committed to establishing themselves in reality and not their subjective pathologies, then the communication channel is <clears throat> is on a on a plane that is 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 constructed. Now, what happens is because we're we all we all have the agency to, to not do this and to rely on our own pathology, we will often have motivated self-interests that are deceptive. Yeah, I mean, th that sounds really heady. So I want to break it down a little bit because uh, you, you mentioned basically connecting to reality and God. Can you go into that a little bit? Like, how the hell do we do that? Well, you have to... That's a very, very, um, that's a conversation that we should probably have on its own because, well, it seems like well, that's kind of the prescription for everything here. Like that sounds to me like it solves all the problems we're talking about. No, I don't, I would not ever presume that I, that I know the answer to solve all the problems we're talking about. So I would not say that, but what I would say is that it, 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 we give ourselves the best chance by grounding ourselves in reality, by grounding ourselves not in our own subjective pathologies, because that is destructive. As a species, we're almost irrelevant unless we rely on reason and our ability to reason. We are meaningless on this planet. We're almost we almost don't even have an effect. As animals, we're just, <laughs> we don't even rank. Let's put it that way. But our ability to reason gives us dominion over the earth and its animals. Without that, we are meaningless. So that's, and I kind of relate that to a concept of, of, of godliness, of our ability to transcend our animal nature and reach a state of divinity of, of being able to cooperate and thrive as a species is, is relating to that divine nature. Mm. Otherwise we become animalistic and heathens <laughs> where we're constantly seeking our own self-interest but never actually can accomplish it because we don't know any better. We are pathologically seeking, you know, we're burning the candle at both ends. We're pathologically seeking this, this uh, pleasure. And, you know, and it's almost innocent. So it's not like I'm saying that, that this to be derogatory towards anyone, but it's, we, we don't know any better. So we're, we're misguided. We're in sin and, the word sin is an archery term meaning to miss the mark. It's not really meant to, to shame or anything like that. It's just to say that you're off target. And mm -hmm. if you want to be on target, you should not sin. Now, I'm not trying to prescribe any religious. I'm not a religious man myself, and I'm not trying to prescribe religion to anyone here. What I'm saying is religion. Re, there's a lot of wisdom in religion that is, is lost on, peop, on people today. Mm -hmm. 
Well, yeah, I can I can substantiate what you're saying as well. And defining the word sin, you know, taking it in or out of the religious context, that is what it what it means. You know, there's a certain there are layers of connotation that come with, as you're kind of alluding to, that come with um, religious frameworks and things like that because people have feelings about it. Speaking back to how, um, you know, certain emotionality can affect logical thinking, but to speak to just the de- definition of sin, I, I know what you're talking about there. And in what you just described, I want to flesh it out for a moment, if you'll allow me here, because I think um, the idea of connecting with reality and with God, it seems like now I, I, I would kind of visualize what you're talking about as this kind of um, connection to two sides of something of reality being, you know, grounding yourself, I think it was a good way to put it, grounding ourselves in reality, not like, I'll say this, grounding ourselves in reality by kind of submitting to the higher authority of God, so to speak, and knowing, as you kind of described and also displayed in your saying, I don't have all the answers, it's that, it is kind of knowing that none of us have the answers, none of us have this higher authority um, that kind of gets in our way sometimes if if emotion or ego clouds our judgment. And so to speak back to what you're saying, I think you described it in a way that I could connect with this idea of grounding ourselves in reality by utilizing the the idea of, you know, and it's not, it doesn't just have to be the word God or what that means to anybody specifically, but it's any group, any organization that successfully um, supports growth and change in people and advocates for submitting to a higher authority and essentially knowing that you are not God. It doesn't matter. It doesn't even matter if yes. you believe in God or yeah, not. Let me let me interject here God. because uh, yes, you're you're on the right path there. And I apologize for interrupting you, but um, your point was very Thanks, poignant. Kanye. I want to keep it succinct and concise so Thank that people you, can connect with it. But um, point is establishing values, establishing ideals that are not just convenient but ideals that are practical and pragmatic to the thriving and benefit of everyone and establishing those ideals and living by those ideals. Now, that is to say that there is no person that the, we should be associating these ideals with because no person is the ideal. But there's a, something my grandma said to me once that really helped, helped things click for me. I was you know, having some struggle with my understanding of what Jesus was. And I was telling her that I didn't really get the story. I don't know why people believe in this story of Jesus and, and of God and things like that. I was you know, seeing the, some of the holes that people often see. What she said to me was, was very interesting. And, I, and I, to this day, I still remember it. She says, well, even if, you, even if people don't believe the story, even if you don't believe it at all, if you think it's ridiculous, but if we just tried to live how Jesus lived, the world would be a better place. And then I started to think of it differently. And I'm, I'm, I started thinking, what if we can kind of just extract the lessons learned as a parable or, or, or look at it as a parable and extract the lessons learned? We can perhaps be better guided in that because no one's going to be Jesus. You're never going to be Jesus. You can't be. But. If we tried, if, if, if we just try to 
we'll be much better off. We'll be we'll we'll, we'll stay in the right lane, so to speak, and we'll we'll be much better. We'll be much safer in life. Mm-hmm. So it's not the it's not the failure of of living up to Jesus that that's the problem. It's the lack of effort that's the problem. Mm. Yeah, I think that connects back to what you were describing before, and I I agree, and I connect with what you just said, and you know, shout out to your grandma. I connect with her uh, message there very strongly. That being said, not everybody does, and so, and I think this relates back to what you were saying about these groups that you know we're kind of um, talking about a, a different way to look at it than they're looking at it. So if someone inherently looks at something a different way than you, or maybe the opposite way even, you kind of spoke to how these groups are not grounded in reality. How would you connect with them or with somebody in that situation where you know, you're not able to show compassion and connect with them because of the problems you described? How could we connect? This is, a, this is more of a spiritual battle that... that they have to fight on their own. They have to have the awareness on their own. The way you connect is is by education and by awareness. And it's not something that you can make someone do. You know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make a drink. You can't make someone have their their the awareness. But what you can do is is educate them on the experience. What gets them to listen? they think they're right so what gets them to listen to someone or something that might educate them in a different way well by speaking the truth by speaking honestly but like for example there's this slave morality that is pervasive in you know, the ideas behind radical feminism and the, the Black Lives Matter movement, the, the slave morality is such that you become so identified with that slave mindset that you have to rationalize it by playing this game of, of good versus evil. And you create this paradigm in your mind that you, you just make yourself the ideal. You have no inherent ideals of your own. You just make whatever you are at the moment the ideal. And that in itself is, you know, that that's a flame that eats itself immediately. If you have no have no values to live to live up to, you know, you have nowhere to go because you've set the you set the destination as where you already are. That in itself is destructive. Mm-hmm. But the thing that they do to go beyond that is they create an enemy out in the world, and that enemy becomes a force of destruction because you're existence has no higher value to live up to it's just a matter of destroying that other thing that you decided is against you it's a it's a barbaric mentality that is is not useful and how do you get out of that you get out of that by first by listening so this isn't something that i'm saying for how like for me or you to do to someone else because their capacity to listen is, is inherent to them. It's not incumbent upon me or you or any person specifically, but 
it is incumbent upon each of us as individuals to be able to listen. And you, you accomplish getting someone to listen to you by being grounded in reality, by being grounded in, in, in God and in, in the ideas we spoke about of, of just having values by you being tethered to sound principles you give the best opportunity for someone to be able to reach out and, and to grab on to something. You have to be that teller first, though. Yeah, I mean, it, it's well said, and I think it is something that comes up for us um, often is this um, aim and this recommendation, like you said, not just to others and certainly not more so to others, but more so to ourselves, to listen more and to aim to listen more. And that being said, I, I also think it's, you know, not understated, that's a very difficult thing to do, especially the less conditioned or less trained you are to do it. And so I kind of see an opportunity, I'll say, for like simple ways to practice or kind of train yourself if you're not as accustomed to doing it and you want to, like, how do I train myself to better listen or practice doing it more? Well, first of all, I'd have to say that the idea there that you introduce while being accurate, uh, it's incomplete. So you want to listen more, but you want to listen more to truth. Now that doesn't mean you shouldn't listen. You should be able to take in information and evaluate it and then decide whether it's good or not. So you shouldn't just dismiss things, but listening is not enough. Just listening because there are a lot of people that you should not listen to. There are a lot of things that you should not be, uh, that you should guard against. So that's uh, listening by itself is not enough. It's, it's not the solution because there are some individuals that you should not listen to. You need to have, be able to discern, develop the ability to have a discerning eye. So can I discern, start an observation here real quick? Please. I think, you know, we're, we're kind of almost, I don't want to say preaching, but holding a lot of value with listening. But now you're almost speaking, I don't want to say against it, but like almost making it seem less, um, like there's not, more to I'm, it. Like no, there's that's more not what I'm doing. It. What I'm doing is I'm saying listening itself is. I have a better is, way to say what I'm is saying. Is irresponsible. I have a better way to say what I'm saying. You need to I have responsibility enough... for, for, for what you're letting into your mind. Can I restate what I was just trying to describe there? Because it came off uh, inaccurately. I think people might really be able to value and connect with the value that we're describing with listening, but there are already so many barriers, probably internally too, to people um, being able to do that. So I don't want to create more barriers. Certainly, you know I mean? certainly. I'm not trying to create the barrier, but I'm not trying to, uh, uh, because the problem with just saying listening, because that becomes irresponsible. That means you have to, that means, uh, that becomes irresponsible where you're, you're listening to things that are sometimes that shouldn't be said, or sometimes that are not true. Okay. You should be seeking truth. It's not about listening. It's about okay. seeking truth. But in order to, uh, listening is a tool to seek truth, okay. but it's not like the only listening truth. for truth so specifically. That's, that's, that way to that's, say that's what I mean here. You have to have a, a, the, the ability to listen. The, the listening is a means to an end. It's not the, it's not the ideal. Okay. So is it a, 
more accurate or more complete to say listening for truth? I would say seeking truth is, is, is a better ideal than just saying listening. Well, seeking and listening bring up two different connotations. And I think you had a great recommendation with the with the well, that's why that's why it's not it's not very it's it's not possible to like make this into a a, a idea that is just a palatable for for in in one sentence that's not that that that's where things get lost um okay sure so someone has listened this far they, they they've already demonstrated the ability to to work with abstract ideas into to into think outside of just the the um you know like that's another issue that is rampant in our world today. People just want the packaged, the prepackaged, prepackaged product and don't want to actually invest the time and the effort. What I, and what I'm saying is you need to invest the time and the effort. This is not a passive process. This is a, an Very active true. process. Very true. So awesome. listening becomes there, there's a there's an expression called active listening, meaning that yeah. not that you're just sitting there and letting someone fill the air with noise. You are actively listening, meaning that you're trying to seek understanding. You're seeking, seeking knowledge, seeking truth. It's not a passive process. Yeah, it's something I'm very familiar with, and it's certainly an exhaustive process. Like you said, it's not passive at all. It's literally like you described the the opposite and saying active, because sitting sitting and taking in noise or being in an environment where uh, things are being said, so to speak, or, you know, there's anything to listen to doesn't mean you're actually listening. And those are important distinctions to make in this. So actively listening or actively seeking uh, truth, I think are two, like you kind of pointed out, two important ways to describe ways to not sin, to not err, and to be on target. Yes, and and part of that part of that process as well is for each of us to be doing that, and for each of us to be monitoring our work, what we are saying. So part of listening is to have an epistemology for the way you speak and what you put out into the world. Meaning, you should not just be seeking attention with, with your words. You should be having a purpose behind what you say, and that purpose should be uh, grounded in truth, not just your truth, not your pathological subject subjective truth, but grounded in a in a in I'm going to refer to it as a universal truth, uh, as a grounded in reality, grounded in in God, what have you. But it needs to be. It should not be pathological. It needs. It should be as much as possible, an a priori concept of truth, meaning without your own motivated self-interest attached to it. Now, that's pretty much impossible for us humans, but the practice of doing that is the, the that practice. It's just like meditation. Mm. Meditation itself has no actual goal, but the practice of meditation brings forth a specific skill that can't be acquired any other way well yeah well well said i think meditation actually connects back to what 
we were prescribing with seeking truth in terms of like building up that skill, building up the skill maybe of truth seeking or listening for, for truth. I think that's a way to do it. And I think that is a practice that people use in that way. And it's a good example to use here. Um, and I, I, I was just going to say, before we get into JP, our boy, um, or your boy, much more than mine, but uh, a guy who speaks to, to truth a lot or, or practicing what we're describing in a lot of ways. Um, I think people utilize or rely upon resources here like the Bible in the religious context or like these works of, you know, I'll say quote-unquote truth in that they're like compilations of a lot of the principles of truth that are beyond our subjective or much more um, substantial. What do you say to that? Well, yeah, and that's part of what I was trying to get, what I was about to get into. So right on, right on with what you just said. It's because these bodies of work are just that. They are bodies of work that have stood the test of time, that, that have been throughout time, throughout geographical location, throughout history, throughout uh, uh, sex, throughout cultures. These principles, these values have, have, have remained. There's something to be gained there. Now, I'm not saying these, these bodies of work are, are, you know, perfect measures because there's a degree of interpretation there that, that often goes awry. But to bring this back into listening and to seeking truth, we should use our, use our attention in a way that is to not lie. We should not just be seeking expediency. We should not just be seeking to to use our words to to get to just get what we want. Be mindful into what we the, for the things we need, and in doing that, we often will receive all the things we want. And it becomes like a cycle of, you know, once you pay attention to the things that you need, you then are able to enjoy the things that you want. Yeah. Well, I think this is a, certainly a lot of valuable um, thought in, in kind of practicing what we're preaching, so to speak, in what we're doing right now. You know, and I think that's, uh, that's really the goal of like, you know, you mentioned at one point in this conversation where the... Um, uh, imperative went off track, so to speak, like the fundamental imperative and what that idea means to us is, uh, you know, embodied in a lot of what we're doing and what we're speaking to right now, which is just actively listening and actively seeking truth. And in doing so, it's an exercise in humility, you know, which is kind of like what med meditation and all these things point to is knowing that we don't know it all, we can't know it all, but the more we try to open ourselves up to knowing more, and by knowing, I do want to connect that term with truth, because believing you know something or thinking you're right about something is not necessarily knowing something. But by actively trying to know more and to connect more with truth, I think we're bettering ourselves in the process, and that's really a big goal of what you and I are trying to do right here, in my opinion. Yeah, and I like the way you said that. It's it's uh, like truth obtaining truth is not a 
is not a pro, it's not a uh, epiphany moment necessarily. It's an active process, and it, and it is a process. There's it's not a destination. It's a journey. It's it's a there's there's layers to truth. It's not just you arrive at truth. There's layers to it. So it's it's there's context to it. You don't just stop at at some point thinking that you know you, you are you know it doesn't end with you. Your time on this earth will end, and that truth will continue. That truth will persist. So it's not about just the destination. It's about the journey. And seeking to participate in that is really what life is about. Is that's it, man? Trying to find truth. Yeah. The destination is the journey. You see it everywhere, from uh, memes to walls of uh, gyms, and it holds holds uh, holds up everywhere. Um, but that being said, uh, this particular podcast episode does need to come to an end, and um, we do have a destination, despite the the journey being the most important. So, any any final words for the people before we uh, come to our de- destination, our conclusion here? Think before you speak, and also don't be a bitch. What a way to sum it up.